In a matter of hours, a new crew will launch from American soil into space to board the International Space Station. And once again, they're hitching Three, a ride on a commercial two, rocket. One, zero. Ignition. Liftoff of the Falcon 9 and Crew Dragon. Go NASA. Go SpaceX. Godspeed. Bob and Doug. On TV, we only get a few minutes to share each story, but here we get to tell you all the details about stories that are important to Greater Cincinnati. I'm Stephen Albritton, and this is WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. Today on the pod, NASA teams up with SpaceX to get an international crew of astronauts back into space. After the first successful launch of U.S. astronauts by a private company last year, the partners in space exploration are going for another launch, with a rocket and Crew Dragon spacecraft being reused for the first time with astronauts on board. Here's WLWT News 5 morning anchor Kelly Rippin. Okay, so early Friday morning, April 23rd, NASA is scheduled to launch the second commercial crew rotation to the International Space Station with commercial partner SpaceX. So this crew of four astronauts will join the Expedition 65 crew for a six-month science mission. Things are going to get a little crowded on the ISS just for a few days. There will be 11 people there for five days until four astronauts head home and take their six-month mission. Now, here to talk with us is NASA astronaut Jeff Williams. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate great, it. Great to be with you today, Kelly. So, obviously, this is a very big week. It's been a big couple of weeks in the space world, and you've been in the shoes of these astronauts before. Does this delay, you know, it's just a day, uh, does it have much of an effect on their nerves, or is this kind of just part of the space business for them? It's really just part of the business. They'll take it in stride. Uh, thankfully for them, the, uh, the team decided to delay early, not too close to launch, so they didn't have to start ramping up for a launch tomorrow. So they'll just have a, a little bit of free time now to uh, to enjoy with family and uh, and maybe kind of get get uh, their their thoughts in order a little bit more uh, before leaving the planet. Leaving the planet. What a what a statement. Now, as grounded earthlings, you know, we often tune in for the launches, the returns, the occasional sighting, which I got to see one a couple months ago. So cool. That thing is moving. Uh, but there is a lot of important work going on up there with the very unique quality of microgravity. So what kind of research is happening in that lab in space? Well, the space station is an amazing place. It's the uh, has the volume of a 5,000 square foot uh, home and of course a lot of that volume is uh, used to supply or to to store everything that we need to to work and operate up there. It is an orbiting laboratory, as you alluded to. It uh, and we're doing science experiments continually. We've had over 20 years of continuous human presence up there, and of course that those experiments cover the different spectrums of all the different sciences. Probably the uh, the one of the the biggest one, uh, at least to us, because we're guinea pigs, is the study of the human body and the impacts of space and, and weightlessness on the human body uh, to understand those effects, uh, to develop countermeasures, to enable us to, uh, to go spend longer periods of time, uh, say, in the lunar system, uh, and then eventually on to Mars. You have spent a significant amount of time up there. Not something I can even imagine, but for you, was there anything that surprised you or was unexpected, either in a good or bad way, about when you initially got up there and how you adjusted and adapted? Uh, it was all good when I initially got up there. Uh, the adaptation, of course, can be a little bit challenging. Uh, it takes uh, several weeks. You can notice yourself adapting just to be able to work in the environment. 
some people feel a little bit queasy when they get there uh, for a day or two. Uh, thankfully, I didn't have to suffer through that, uh, but I did help some crewmates through that. Uh, but there is an adaptation. Uh, but uh, after a few weeks, you're you're going full speed. And I found that uh, even after being back on the planet for a few years and then returning again, it was almost like riding a bicycle. You just uh, get there and you just go to go to go to work without a whole lot of uh, time needed for adaptation again. A, a very far away bicycle that very few people can uh, understand how to ride. I feel like that has to be a pretty cool experience to realize. You said 20 years, but you know, you think about the history on earth and we are just a very tiny portion of it. You are very much a part of the history that's happening each and every day. I imagine that's a cool thing to wear around as you kind of grow in your career, but this will be something that these astronauts are just getting to experience. Yeah, well, I'm very grateful when I look back at, at my personal history here to be involved in the entire program of an uh, entire life of the uh, International Space Station program from its very beginnings when we were uh, working out the partnership with the Russians, for example, uh, launching space shuttles to the Russian Mir space station to enable us to start working together and then building the space station starting in 1998. My first visit there was in 2000 before Expedition One got there, when it was just made up of two modules. And, and then I went back halfway uh, through the assembly and then went back again uh, when, to complete the assembly uh, in 2009 and 10. Um, and then uh, most recently in 2016, when it's in its full operational mode with all the partners uh, completely involved. And of course, add new capability all the time. It's, got, it's quite a history. It's quite an achievement uh, in history, both uh, technologically as well as in the context of the of the international partnership. Yeah, it's yeah. You think about where we've come in just a short period of time, and getting there is so different, even in a short period of time. Does that surprise you of how we're using these rockets multiple times and these capsules? Uh, you know, does that surprise you, or is that something that you saw coming? It, no, it doesn't surprise me. We've been uh, developing the commercial capability for many years. It goes back to the Bush administration. Most people don't realize that when we initiated uh, the first uh, commercial contracts, uh, starting out with cargo vehicles. And uh, of course, the, they've been going uh, very successfully for many years. And now we're into the crewed vehicles, uh, specifically with SpaceX. Uh, Boeing will be coming along here. Uh, with their version of the of uh, vehicle, so it's um, we've you know we've gone through some institutional growing pains because it's a new way of doing business, uh, but it also has enabled us uh, to instead of buying a spacecraft, we buy a service for access to space, and that enables us to dedicate more resources to developing uh, the Artemis program, for example, to take us back to the moon. Very cool. Obviously, you just mentioned that this is an international partnership. So four astronauts heading to space. This is the first mission that two international partners. Can you explain why that's important? Well, the, of course, we have four seats on this vehicle as opposed to three seats on the Soyuz. So it enables us to expand the crew. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, we're partners with not only Russia, but the European Space Agency, which is made up of about a dozen countries of mostly Western Europe. Um, and in uh, Japan and Canada, and everybody has had made contributions, has made contributions to the space station uh, in, in varying degrees. And because of those contributions, uh, they get their allocations of, of opportunities to fly their crew members. So it's, it's great on this mission to be able to fly a European astronaut 
um, specifically French astronaut uh, Thomas and, uh, and a Japanese astronaut as well, along with the two Americans to join an American and two Russians uh, on board. Uh, and of course, to overlap with the crew one crew as well. Yeah, that, it, I, I joke that it would be crowded, but 5,000 square feet, although I know a lot of it is already being occupied for other things, is, is probably bigger than a lot of us would have even imagined. Well, it's, it is very big, but still it gets crowded. I've been up there with as many as 13 people back when the space shuttle was flying. And uh, I, I jokingly say it's kind of like when your extended family, they come to visit uh, for the holidays. It's a great day when they arrive and it's a great day when they leave and things get quiet again. Yeah, there's good and bad. You got to really like the people you're with up there. I don't think there's a lot of places to uh, to escape easily, I'm sure. Um, obviously, to use a cheesy space fun, we are orbiting Earth Day around when this launch is happening. You guys are able to give us such a unique perspective of what is happening down here. How does that help with, you know, weather forecasting, things like that that we talk about all the time, climate change, global warming, all of that that's happening. You guys get a much more unique perspective than we could ever imagine. Yeah, of course, most of the specific data with weather patterns and other things come from uh, satellites that, that are up there uh, th that can uh, produce data at a resolution far greater than what we can produce through the naked eye. But there's always something about the human experience. People want to have the human perspective. So to be able to go up there and orbit the Earth every 90 minutes, 16 times a day, and be there for months at a time watching not only the days and nights go by, but watching seasons go by, uh, and, and the, the opportunity to study the Earth gives you a great appreciation for uh, this uh, this planet that we call Earth that is our home and, and everything that it offers uh, to enable us to to not only live but to develop and prosper. All right, and you know if people want to keep up, like I said, we have to pay attention to the beginning, the end, and a, an occasional sighting. But if people want to keep up, what's the best way to follow along? Uh, it's very easy to follow along with what's going on. Of course, you can go to nasa.gov and that'll get you uh, all kinds of access to all kinds of things that NASA is doing to include the ongoing operation in the space station and uh, the launches and landings. Uh, we'll have a landing coming a week after this launch or so. Um, and, and also nowadays you got an app for everything and you can get a NASA app and, and then other third party apps that'll enable you to uh, even get real-time downlink video from the space station, as well as the coverage of the launch and its uh, later docking a, a little less than 24 hours later. So as in everything else, we've got instant access to all kinds of information anywhere in the world. Excellent. Astronaut Jeff Williams, thanks so much for joining us. The launch is now set for Friday morning. Obviously, that is weather pending. Join us for WLBT News 5 today for live coverage. Jeff, thank you. Thank you very much, Kelly. Thanks to Kelly for guest hosting the podcast this week. Now, if you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This has been WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. I'm Stephen Albritton. Thanks for listening. Accuracy. It matters in everything you do. Your GPS needs to be accurate. Take a left on third. Your taxes need to be accurate. And your dentist needs to be accurate. You choose accuracy every day. And for an accurate forecast, choose WLWT Weather. It's the only forecast in Cincinnati independently certified most accurate. Nine years in a row and counting. Accuracy does matter. Choose accuracy. Choose WLWT Weather.